Hey everyone, you're listening to the MLEPC podcast. Thank you for joining us. The podcast features every previous Sunday's sermon and plenty of other cool content like interviews and mini-series. Please remember to share our content and subscribe to our channel so you can stay up to date with everything that we create. You can find out more about what's happening at the church by visiting our website at mlepc.org or checking us out on our social media. Once again, we thank you for tuning in to the MLEPC podcast, and we hope to see you at an event soon. I am grateful that you all are enjoying each other and, and fellowshipping in the love of Christ. That is what a church is defined by. They will know we are Christians by our love, and I'm always glad to see that in our community. Let me pray for us as we get started. Holy God, we do thank you for your love and for the love that pours into us and out of us so that we can love others as well. Lord, we turn to your word this morning and we know that it is sharper than any two-edged sword. We pray that you would use it to strip away the things that distract us and pull us away from you and help us to to seek you first and your kingdom and your word. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, we've been studying different aspects of of soul care in the series that we're doing. We've talked about simplicity. We've talked about uh, solitude. or We talked about solitude, then we talked about Sabbath. And this Sunday, we're talking about simplicity. Um, It seems like all of our world is trying to get more and more complicated, right? Uh, but God offers us a simpler way. And as we turn to the Lord, let's listen for the, the promises that he has in these scriptures, the, the promise of his provision, of his protection, of the assurance that he is always with us. Let's read this together. This is Psalm uh, 111, verses 2 through 5 to start. Great are the works of the Lord. They are pondered by all who delight in them. Glorious and majestic are his deeds, and his righteousness endures forever. He has caused his wonders to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. He provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. And turning over to the Sermon on the Mount, this is Matthew 6, starting with verse 19, and then I'll skip down to verse 25. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can you, any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the fields grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what will we eat, or what shall we drink, or what will we wear? 
For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So there was a headline this, this, a few months ago that really caught my eye. Some of you may have seen a woman named uh, Marie Kondo on her, uh, on her TV show Tidying Up on, on Netflix. She's the, the one who says, you know, look at something and say, does this spark joy? And everything she, she does, she rearranges people's houses and it's all minimalist and, and tidy and neat and, and people are supposed to feel much more at peace. Well, the headline from a couple of months ago was her admitting my house is now messy. <laughs> Somehow I found that very cathartic. <laughs> we are not the only ones who struggle with this. She now has three children. For those of you who are parents of young children, it's okay. Even Marie Kondo can't do it. <laughs> It's interesting to think about this person who was like the, you know, the poster child for a simple life is now wrapped up in that. And it's, it's, it sort of gives us permission or, or at least acknowledgement that being, living a simple life is very hard. The thing is, it can't just be surface. It can't just be about having the laundry done and the shoes put away. It has to, it has to do with our inner life. Are we worried about what we're going to eat or what we're going to wear or what we're going to do or how we're going to provide or what if something happens? If we're worried about all of those things, it's the opposite of seeking first the kingdom of God. As we talk about the di discipline of simplicity this morning, I want us to think about the inner life first. What has to change inside our own hearts so that we can live a simpler life on the outside as well? Three things I want us to think a lot about. First is gratitude. Everything you have is a gift from God. Are you grateful for it or are you trying to hold on to it unless something happens? It's gratitude. It's trust. It's trust that God's going to provide. It's trust that the things you do have, God's going to take care of. It's trust that God is there and he is the Lord over all of the stuff. So gratitude, trust, and the third one is generosity. Are you holding on to things? I love the, in the movie Finding Nemo, the seagulls, they're sitting there, their call is mine, mine, mine. <laughs> and how often do we do that with our own stuff? Mine, mine, mine. But God calls us to generosity that we constantly say, yours, Lord, yours, Lord, yours, Lord. And that allows us to give generously with whether our time, our money, our, our, our belongings, all of it's gift from God. All of it is entrusted to God. And because of that, we can share generously with all around us. So let's look at this, this passage in Matthew. It's right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is chapters 5, 6, and 7. They're some of the most challenging teachings that Jesus ever said. I mean, from the beginning, it's all countercultural. It is, blessed are the poor in spirit. That doesn't feel like a blessing, does it? Blessed are the persecuted, yay. <laughs> it's hard, turn the other cheek, love your enemies. He's going through all of the things that we hold on to and saying let go because God has got this hunger and thirst for righteousness. 
Turn all of your hearts. Trust the Lord. If you ask, you will receive because God loves you. But we have to entrust it all to the Lord. Do not worry about tomorrow. Each day has enough trouble of its own. That was a verse I memorized when I was, I think, fourth or fifth grade because I was always stressed about things. And I still struggle with that even today. So we, we see this passage in Matthew 6 saying, where is your treasure? Your treasure, whatever you have stored up, you have this Ebenezer Scrooge sort of image of, of gathering the stuff and holding on to it. He's like, it's all temporary. That stuff is going to go away. Thieves might steal it. It might decay. It might be, you know, eaten by mice and there was, yeah, we, we, we have a fun problem with mice in this church. So there was one in my office this week that, that went away. Um, but, but we know that we can trust all of it to God because all of this stuff is temporary. It's where our heart is that matters. And all of it comes under the idea of seek first the kingdom of God. In this provision, it's not... You know, seek the kingdom of God and, and, and there's nothing else like you're going to be miserable for the rest of your life, but at least you're seeking the kingdom. He's not saying that. He's saying God loves you. God wants to provide for you. Look at, at the lilies of the field. Solomon in all of his splendor didn't have robes as beautiful as that. Look at the birds of the field who are able to, to get the food that God offers they have, to, they have to go looking for that food every single day, but God always cares for them. And doesn't the Father all the more care for you? And if you seek first his kingdom, if your eyes are on Christ, not on the stuff of the world, if your eyes are on the Lord first, the rest of it is going to fall into place. If we treat it with gratitude, if we treat it with trust, and with generosity. When you think about earthly treasures, there are different motivations why we gather them. And this can be, you know, a nice car or a room full of mementos, or, or it can be, you know, a big stash of, uh, of food just in case something really bad happens. Often treasures, the motivations can be, for instance, a sign of success. You know, that's a big one in Mount Lebanon. Look, I, I have a good house, I have a good car, I have a good job. Those signs of success. We, we, we like having them, they make us feel better about the world, and they also hide a couple of different fears. A fear of shame and a fear of failure. The, the, if we look like we've got it together on the outside, nobody will know the hurt in my heart and the things that I struggle with. They hide a fear of failure. I've never been able to get the approval of fill in the blank, your parents, your teachers or whoever. So if I have all of these external trappings of success, then I don't have to fear. People will know that, that I'm not a failure. Is that seeking first the kingdom of God? They give us an illusion of control. I think uh, I've, I've talked on Monday about... Um, this idea that I have to get myself together. So if we have, uh, have the stuff that we need, look, I have it all together. I have everything tidied up. I have it tied in a bow. I have control over my life. But so often that is hiding a fear of failure, a fear of, uh, of lack of control, a fear of chaos. 
It also happens that, that the stuff that we accumulate is because we're trying to prevent bad things from happening. We're trying to, to prevent being out of control when the worst happens. And yet, that also is constantly a fear. We're fearing disaster, and we're imagining that God isn't there in the future when that disaster might happen. He's not going to provide. We have a fear that God is not going to show up. All of the reasons why we accumulate these things, whatever they are, and every one of us has a thing, all of them are because we're not treating what we have as a gift, we're not trusting God with it, and we're not being generous with what we have. My uh, study Bible had this great quote, materialism may be God's greatest may be God's greatest rival. Materialism may be God's greatest rival. Competing for the allegiance of human hearts, not the least because constantly striving to secure one's life with possessions produces anxiety. You see that interesting irony there? We're trying to secure our life with possessions, but that makes us anxious. We, we think that we're going to be at peace if we just have all this stuff, if we just get enough, but we realize that enough is never enough because we still deal with that anxiety because we're not seeking first the kingdom of God, we're seeking the stuff. It's interesting how this can affect a family. Um, my, my grandmother was a child of the Depression, and she knew what it was like to, to struggle in the midst of all of this stuff, and, and of course she went through depression, the Depression and then the war um, as she's raising a, a family of three and having some other struggles. And it, that affected her for the rest of her life. She had enough money. She had enough, that everything that she needed, and yet she had hordes. When, when she passed away, we discovered a, a huge supply of ivory dish soap. Who knew that you would need that for a long time? My sister-in-law and my mother divided up the ivory dish soap, and it took them both seven years to use it all. That was a 14-year supply of ivory liquid. <laughs> I don't think you need that much, you know, to survive a pandemic or anything like that. The funny thing is I realized it was affecting me, too, when the pandemic hit. I, as, as everybody was, you know, scrambling to the grocery store and everything was out, I was like, you know, I've got a decent stock of food right now, so I'm going to wait and see how long I could go without buying new food. So I, my goal was to hit Easter. Remember, March 15th was, was the start of everything, the lockdown. And, and I'm like, okay, Easter, mid-April. I can make it until Easter. Would you believe I had more than a month's worth of food stored up? I'd still have my grandmother's head going on in my own head. I did buy milk one time. <laughs> but I even had a month's worth of toilet paper, thankfully. <laughs> It's crazy that we, we try to hoard these things. That, you know, like, why do I have this much if I'm not using it? If it's going bad, if it's expiring, like, what am I trying to hold on to? What if the world falls apart? But God provided for us even when it did, when it felt like it did three years ago. My family had this, we, we've always had this, you know, what if something bad happens feeling? And we have to fight that a lot. And one of the things that we used to joke about, we 
uh, when I was in high school, my dad was a college professor, my mom was a school nurse, so we didn't have a lot of money, but we had the summers off, <laughs> which was really great. So we would get in the car, we lived in Oklahoma, and we'd go traveling, and we saw all the western states, we, we came back east several times, um, so we loved to be able to travel. But the big joke on our trips was, what if we break down in the middle of New Mexico? It became a saying, you know, well, at least we didn't break down in the middle of New Mexico. Guess how many times we ended up breaking down in the middle of New Mexico? Twice. <laughs> One of them was we were literally in the middle of nowhere. You could not see civilization anywhere. And some guy comes driving by and says, hey, do you guys need a lift? And so they drove us into town and then got a tow and towed us into town. And, um, and this is the days before cell phones, so you couldn't exactly call AAA. And it turned out, so it's a Sunday afternoon. You cannot get a mechanic on a Sunday afternoon in a tiny little town in New Mexico. Well, it turned out so-and-so knew so-and-so who knew so-and-so, who happened to be a retired mechanic who used to work in Mexico and could fix anything with, you know, like duct tape and a toothpick. The guy manufactured the part that we needed, and we were on our way like three hours later. And it was just like God was going, do you trust me here? Do you trust me here? Do you trust me here? I've got this. Even though we thought we could be in control, even though we could prevent all the disasters from happening, we realized that in the worst of the disasters that we would even joke about happening, God was right in the middle of it, and he was the one who was taking care of it. We could trust him. And all that he did was gift, because we knew that we could not have done that of our own strength, but it was the Lord that did that. And it reminded us that we can't lean on our stuff. No matter what, anything can be destroyed, but God is the one who provides and the one who protects. So what does it mean to seek first the kingdom of God? It means to start our day with that, to, to start our, our decision-making process with that. Lord, what will benefit your kingdom? In the Lord's Prayer, it says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What does God's kingdom look like in heaven? And how can we seek that here on earth? That blessing, that joy, that generosity. It's not through accumulating stuff for this earthly kingdom. It's, it's proclaiming God's provision and God's beauty and wisdom that, that is eternal. What are the things of eternal value? When Jesus was walking the earth, he had almost nothing. He had to have people provide for him. He stayed, he never had a house. He was staying at other people's houses. Um, Matthew 8 says, the son of man has no place to lay his head. And think about how he taught the disciples as well. He sent them out two by two. And the first time he sent them out, he said, don't bring a bag. Don't bring an extra cloak. Don't bring extra sandals. Trust the people that you're going to be meeting with to take care of your, ne your needs. Because God is taking care of your needs through them. To, to go out. Can you imagine what that must have been like? But like, okay, go heal people, cast out demons, preach the kingdom, You'll be fine. Don't take anything with you. And you'd be, I still think all the disciples were like, um, excuse me? <laughs> that must have taken an incredible leap of faith. But they were seeking the kingdom of Jesus, the kingdom of God, as they went out and as they trusted that he would do all of this. 
Richard Foster is, is a writer of, uh, he's written a book called The Celebration of the Disciplines. He's also written a book about simplicity. He's an incredible author and, and theologian. And, and this is what he said, and this is where he got the idea of gift, trust, and generosity. If what we have, we receive as gift, and if what we have is to be cared for by God, and if what we have is available to others, then we will possess freedom from anxiety. This is the inward reality of simplicity. It, it's amazing to think as we let go of things, it would, you would think that it would be like, oh no, I don't have this anymore. Oh no, I don't have that. Oh no, I needed that. But God is saying there is freedom in letting go of your control over stuff. There is freedom in saying, God, all of this is yours. Again, he focuses on gift. That is the spirit of gratitude of saying every single thing I have, thank you, God, for this. Thank you that, that you gave this to me. I recently heard a st study that, that said they did analyzing brain waves, and they told people to worry about something, and then they told people to be thankful about something, and you literally can't do both of those things at the same time. Isn't that interesting? Your brain is not capable of worrying and being thankful simultaneously. So if you find yourself trapped in this worry and worry and worry, stop yourself and go, okay, what's one thing I'm, I'm thankful for? What are five things I'm thankful for? It, I, I've used that several times in the last couple of weeks, and it's amazing how it, it stops the spiral. Sometimes, I, I, one time I was in Africa and, and just exhausted and worried about everything and just done, and I, I spent... I, three or four pages of my journal just griping to God and worrying about things and just dumping all of my fears. And it was like a downward spiral. And I finally ran out of things to complain about. <laughs> and then it was like, okay, I'm thankful for that. And I'm thankful for that. And I'm thankful for that. And as I s focused on everything I was thankful for and all the ways I'd seen God, he lifted me back up out of that pit. When we treat everything that we have as gift... We walk around in gratitude, and it is freeing to know that God loves you enough to take care of you and to provide for you. When we trust that God is the one who is going to take care of it all, that also relieves us of worry. We don't have to worry about the treasure being, you know, eaten by moths or, or, or destroyed or stolen or, or whatever. We know that God is going to take care of it. And if, if he doesn't take care of our car in the middle of New Mexico, he's still going to take care of us. To trust that God is going to provide. Our trusting God is, is our ability to say, Lord, this stuff is not where my security comes from. You are where my security comes from. So even if I have nothing, you are the one who is going to provide for us. And then third, the, the act of generosity. The, the, this giving our stuff away and looking out for the needs of others instead of ourselves. Acts 2 is, is one of those moments so that the Holy Spirit has just poured out on the day of Pentecost. And then at the end of Acts 2, this is what it said. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. They're seeking first the kingdom of God, breaking bread into prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. 
Here was this amazing moment where you see they are seeking first the kingdom, and the kingdom meant their brothers and sisters as well. They didn't want anyone who was part of their community to, to have lack or need. What does it look like when we as a community are, are caring for one another to that extent? Jim announced that, that the food pantry was in desperate need for more food. Think about that. They, their, their numbers have gone up 56% since February. That's a, just a drastic change with inflation and the economy and all of the stuff going on. The vulnerable population is getting more vulnerable. People who were doing okay are, are in greater need. How can we live a generous life so that we can bless others? When we, uh, a couple, last fall, we did a, a series on the treasure principle. And the idea was, don't store up your treasures here, store them up in heaven. And generosity is one of the ways that we know that we can, we can do things of eternal value, not just things of the earth. First Timothy 6 talks about the, the role of the rich. It's not that the rich are evil. It's that they have, need to be good stewards of what God has given them. It says, command the rich to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. When we hold things loosely, when we know that it's all gifts, that we trust God with it, we are much more free to share and to be generous with others. Paul, um, when he is writing in, in Philippians 4, we all know that that verse, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But we for, often forget the context of that. The context, I know what it is to be in need. This is verse 12. And I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in, an, in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The all things through Christ is contentment, is gratitude, is trusting that God is going to provide what we need as we need it. That is where the freedom comes from. That is when our inner lives are transformed. And as our inner lives are transformed, we are then able to do the outward signs of simplicity. They can't go the opposite way. We need to, to not to be thinking about simplicity as a legalistic thing. I have to be minimalist or I'll be a failure. It has to come out of this sense of identity in Christ and of trust that God is with us and providing for us. Then outwardly we can begin to think about why am I holding on to this stuff? Why do I really, really want that thing? What is that saying about my inner life? We think about our daily bread. It's what do we need that God will provide and that we have to ask him for. As we, as we ask him, don't just assume that you can get your daily bread at the grocery store, but to say, God, you are the one who provides this. Please help me trust in you. Our speaker, the, the video, Jason Perkins, says that there's a big difference between what we need and what we want. God knows what we need, and are we asking him, do I need this or do I just want this? One person I heard speaking on this topic one time said, you know, when you go to the grocery store, you often think, you know, you get the necessities, and then you're like, what's one thing I can do to treat myself? I do that all the time. <laughs> Obviously, Aldi chocolate is up there on the list. But what if we turn that around and say, what's one thing in this list that I can let go of this week? Or what's one thing I can buy that would treat Somebody at the food pantry. What's a treat for a child who's never had a birthday cake? What's a treat for somebody who doesn't even have, you know, 
butter or oil or milk. I can get the, the kind of mac and cheese with the sauce package so they don't need those things. What's a treat for somebody who has a whole lot less than you? And how can you be generous with that? As we do this, we think about, uh, Jason Perkins says that, that these outward signs are a way to promote the things of eternal life. He talks about weeding our soul. We've been having to do a lot of weeding at the church lately because the weeds have been growing like crazy. And you have to keep weeding and keep weeding to keep things looking clean. So what are some ways that we can weed stuff out of our lives that's distracting us and causing us worry and burdens? He says, first, define what you really, really need. Define what you really, really need. Food, shelter, water, sh uh, clothing. What you really need. It, it, it's just those crucial things that help define that. What is the core of what you really need? Then he says, discover your distractions. What are you distracted by? Actually, Richard Foster goes all the way to, what are your addictions? What can you not live without? That can be, you know... Netflix, it can be uh, sports, it can be, there's all kinds of addictions that can be, you know, obviously alcohol and some of those classic ones, but they can be other things as well. And then number three, decide how you will start removing those distractions because they will continue to prioritize themselves. Distractions, if we're using distractions to fill that hole in our heart to, to kind of numb us out, we'll always need a little bit more. That, that hole in our heart is a vacuum unless it is filled with the Holy Spirit, unless it is filled with the Word of God. That is where the wholeness comes from. That is where the trust in the Lord comes from. And then he says, get rid of distraction. Be generous with more and more. The, the, getting rid of these things, being generous with our stuff, that is the best antidote to materialism and consumerism. That is the best way that we can outwardly pursue simplicity and that our inner life and our outer life can, be, can reflect our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, if you don't fight for simplicity, you will drift into complexity. If you don't fight for simplicity, you will drift into complexity. When I first graduated from college, I moved 11 times in my first eight years, including three continents. You don't accumulate a lot of stuff when you move that often. And then the next move after that was eight years later, and I couldn't believe how much stuff I had, had accumulated. The, that, that moving so frequently was a discipline. It was helping me stay simple. But when I stayed in one place, the complexity just instantly grew. This church is so funny. We joke about there's a book called Simple Church, and it, it, we're the opposite. We're complex church. <laughs> and we constantly have to be thinking, do we really need this stuff? Do we really need all of the, the programs? Do we, you know, what is the simple way that we can seek first the kingdom of God and not all of the trappings so that we become materialistic or consumerist ourselves? We have to do that in our inner life, in our family, and here as a congregation. But God reminds us that every day we need to let go of this because at the end of the day, when our life is over, that is the ultimate simplicity. We leave everything behind. I had to do two different funerals this week, and it is a reminder that, that, that it's all, it's all vanity, vanity, all is vanity. It all will go away, and we will stand before the Lord ourselves with nothing in our hands. And if he asks us, what do you deserve? To, why would you deserve to come into heaven? 
We don't say, because I got the most toys and I win. Their answer is, because Jesus Christ loves me. Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. That is what is of eternal value. The love of Christ, the transformation of Christ, the trust that we can have leaning into Christ and knowing that he is the one who will guide and protect. We need to hold it all loosely to be generous with what God has given. Doesn't God love you more than, than the lilies of the field and the, the birds in the air? God loves you. And if we put our trust in him and seek first his kingdom, all becomes simple. Let's pray together. Holy God, we do thank you and we praise you for your simple truth of your love, of your grace, of your provision. Lord, forgive us for all of the ways that we have put our trust in things other than you, in our salaries and jobs and our cars and our, our, our academic achievement and our stuff. Lord, all of it will, will fade away. But in you, those things are of eternal value. The way that we can thank you and live in gratitude, the way that we can trust you with everything of our lives, and the way that we can be generous because you have been more than generous to us. Lord, you are, Jaira, our provider. And we, we lean into that, Lord. Forgive us for all the ways we've worried and been distracted. Clear our minds, clear our lists, clear our, our shopping carts so that we can see the truth that you are the God who loves us and will provide. Lord, I do want to lift up those here and those around us who are struggling. This has been a very difficult season uh, to, to trust when, when salaries are, are not worth what they used to be and when, uh, when the economy still is uncertain. Lord, we pray that, that those of us who have more can give generously so that those who have less will not have to live in fear of their next meal. When you provide daily bread, sometimes you provide it through us, and we pray that you would help us to help others. Lord, be with those who are struggling. Help them know that you see them. You have not abandoned them. You are with them, and you will provide. Lord, we do pray for those who have lost loved ones recently. Lord, we pray for um, a sense that you are there, that, that you are the eternal God. You are with their loved ones forever. You will not let a, a single sparrow fall from the sky, Lord, without your love and your purpose. Lord, and you are holding every single one of these people in your hands. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Lord, for those who are, are burdened with anxiety, more than just worrying about stuff, but uh, uh, the, the, the burden of, of the, uh, paralysis of anxiety, Lord, I pray that you would break through that, that you would provide help and support for them, that you would relieve that burden, that they can rest in you. You say that the one the Lord loves rests between his shoulders, and Lord, we ask for that kind of rest. Lord, and we ask for, for the sense of your love that drives away fear. Perfect love casts out all fear, Lord. And we pray that you would help us to be truly identifying ourselves as your children because that's what you call us. Behold what manner of love you have lavished upon us by calling us your dearly beloved children. And we pray as your children were taught to pray by Jesus Christ, our Father, who art in heaven, 
hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Brothers and sisters, please rise as we can confess our faith through the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Hi, this is Pastor Carolyn. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you'd like to find out more about our church, you can check out our website at mlepc.org. And be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a podcast. Have a blessed day.